You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents A Community Affair, a weekly program where we discuss with national and local newsmakers important issues that impact our community. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Megan Steckler. Welcome to A Community Affair. I'm your host and Public Affairs Director, Megan Steckler, and today we are delighted to welcome Rich Reindel, the Director, Walt Smith, Ken Schultz, and Anthony Cerami, the Associate Directors, who are four representatives from the Radio Corporation of America Heritage Program Museum at Rowan University. The RCA Museum Program preserves RCA's historical role in the development of science and technology in the southern New Jersey region, while also supporting the future of education and research at Rowan through scholarship opportunities and oral history projects. Today, they are here to discuss this program on the university's campus. So thank you all for being here today. Thanks for having us. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. Can you give listeners a brief history of the RCA Heritage Museum program? Good morning. This is Richard Reindel, the director of the RCA Museum. The RCA Museum uh, was uh, founded in 2012 on the Rowan campus after Joe Pani, a former manager at RCA, approached the president of Rowan University to sponsor a museum space. The museum was put in place in 2012 and represents the RCA products that have been built and developed in the RCA Camden facility and throughout the corporation. What kind of impact does the RCA have specifically on Rowan University? The museum is here to represent the technology developments in South Jersey, and it's here to show Rowan students and anyone else in South Jersey what a major development activity RCA presented in South Jersey and the technologies that it developed here as part of the USA and the, and the country for advancement in, in engineering and manufacturing. So touching on that a little bit, how can students and the Rowan community at large benefit from this program? Well, the RCA Museum is open to the public and all students. Uh, we are limited in our hours because of the staff at the museum are purely volunteers. So we're only open on Mondays and Wednesdays from 930 to 2. But what we do is we represent RCA products and memorabilia that were developed at RCA primarily in Camden but throughout the country and it represents and demonstrates what RCA brought to the country and South Jersey in all of the technology development activities and, and its progression through time. This is Walt. One of the things that, that I really think the museum brings to the table is it really um, highlights some of the, and Rich touched on this, some of the technology advancements which really came out of Camden and South Jersey that have changed the world. And a lot of people really don't realize the impact that the South Jersey community has had on the world. Really, our museum features things that started with the Victor Talking Machine. Remember the old Victor Talking Machines, Victrolas? You might remember your parents or grandparents having an old Victrola with the horn or a nice furniture piece looking with a cabinet with an old record player inside. That's really what started in Camden with the Victor Talking Machine. And Rich had mentioned when RCA came along in 1919, but in 1929, they bought the Camden facility Victor Talking Machine and became RCA Victor. And 
some of the technological advancements that came out of that really, really changed the world from the recording industry to, you know, the original Victrolas and then into radio and television. And there was just so many, you know, just technological advancements that came out of the Camden plant that, that really did change the world. And a lot of it was government too. The company wasn't just commercial, but the most people are most familiar with the RCA radios. RCA is the radio corporation, or was the radio corporation of America. And really the tremendous uh, impact that, that the Victrolas to the radios to, to TV and color TV that all came out of Camden. And there was a ton of other offshoots of that technology with being radar and first electron microscope. I could go on and on, but at the museum, we highlight a lot of these first. And, and of course, we have a lot of artifacts on display. Many of them work. So we can play the old Victrolas when visitors come, and we play the old radios and, and really give the whole story of the, uh, the Victor talking machine up through the RCA Corporation. I was just going to say, this ties back very nicely with the radio and obviously being here at the station. Yes. So thank you all again for sitting down and talking well, to me. Thank you for having us in. We're, we're very proud of the museum, and we would certainly like to have all of your students and listeners come in and, and see what we have to show you. Absolutely. We're absolutely happy, to, happy yes. to display it. And you can definitely see the progression through the years from the earliest radio, or Victrola, if you will, to you know Victrola, to radio, to TV, to even combinations of Victrola's and radios in one cabinet, which was, if you had one of those, you, you were the hit of the neighborhood because everybody wanted to come to your house. And then, of course, I was there for 25 years and did a lot of military work. And the military, you know, for RCA was a great, a great portion or uh, how, the, how RCA grew over the years with all of the military things. And even things like color video cameras, the video camera that was on the moon was developed by RCA, for example. So there's, there's so many things that RCA did, which we highlight and not a lot of people know about. And so the history involved, the progression through the years, I think that anyone that is going to be or, or studying to be an engineer should stop by and see how we progressed over the years. We have a clear path from the very beginning to, what, 1986 is when RCA, RCA was sold out to was sold out. And we have a quite a detailed uh, collection and roadmap, you know. And a lot of the things there are, are actually uh, donations. So just about everything in there is donated by someone, an RCA ex-employee or what have you. It's fascinating. It really is. I did not know about the RCA Heritage Museum program until I did research on what the program highlights and how it benefits students. And that's why I also wanted to sit down and speak with you all a little bit more on the history and delve into that. Well, one of the things is, is we are tucked away on the fifth floor in the Campbell Library, and we do have limited access through a, uh, an elevator-only entranceway. So it is a little bit off the beaten path, and unless the students go out of their way to try to find us, they might not stumble upon us except by accident. So one of the things that we'd like to do is to broadcast more about what we do here on Rowan and make sure that the students are aware that we're available to conduct tours and to share our enjoyment of RCA. Speaking of the artifacts and what the RCA Museum offers, what artifacts does the RCA Museum house currently? I know that you guys have touched on a few, so. Well, the RCA Museum currently has over 8,000 items documented in our inventory. What it does is it covers products that were developed by RCA and its affiliate companies 
which goes back to the Victor Talking Machine Company. Victor Talking Machine Company was incorporated in 1901. So we have objects on our floor that are from the 1900s, early 1900s. One of our key ones is, is a, a Vic 3, which was built in 1909. That is one of our prize pieces. But we go up to items that were on the Apollo moonshots and satellites that go around the Earth. So we have products from 1909 on, and we're proud to show that to the entire viewing public. Those artifacts, obviously, since they are from the past, how does the preservation process work? That's a very interesting question, because in 1909, AC power was not a common place, even in the United States. So all of our early machines are actually 100% mechanical, and people are extremely surprised at how operationally successful they are. They are working today as they did when they worked in 1909, and they are a fantastic time machine to go back into the past. We have very little problems in restoring some of these early units because they were built like tanks and are relatively easy for the general common person to repair. Parts are still available on eBay. As you get into the radios and the record players, they're a little bit more fragile and are more exposed to time. So they're a little bit tougher to maintain and get operational. But we do have a number of those that are operational. Yeah, and incidentally, um, a lot of our early radios are actually battery powered due to the fact, like Rich said, back in the day, electricity wasn't everywhere. So if you wanted to listen to a radio, you had to have batteries along with it and a set of uh, earphones to listen because there were no speakers Gradually, there were amplifiers developed to eliminate the battery, which we do have an example of, and some early speakers. In fact, we um, found a speaker that is extremely ornate. It's a beautiful piece with a fancy tapestry front. And uh, what is that material in the back? It looks like silk or something, and it's pulled back. It's tied off into like a rosette. Very, uh, very fancy schmancy. Yeah. <laughs> And it works great. It, it works beautiful. We, we, we get a lot of donations in the museum, and really stuff comes in, in in all conditions, right? And amazingly, the stuff was designed and built so well originally that we have many, many pieces in the museum that are, you know, 100 years old, and, and, and they're working fine. We, we, we can come in and play these old rec- records and old on the old Victrolas and fire up the old radios. And it really is amazing that, yeah, we, we have a lot of this stuff, you know, up and running and work. Really goes to show how well stuff was built in the old days. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find stuff that's built now, um, you know, Definitely. with the phones and laptops and everything becomes throwaway. But but back then, everything was fixable and, you know, things were designed to last. And, and we, we proved that with stuff over 100 years old still working. My favorite part of being there is watching the, breathtaking advancement in technology from something you needed to crank all mechanical parts to solid state digital moon landing stuff. Absolutely. And as you said, it's built to last. And I do have to ask, where do you guys primarily get donations from? Well, we've been actually able to get donations from around the country. We recently got a shipment of a RCA grandfather clock, which is a one of a kind that came out of Fort Myers, Florida, before the hurricane came through. We've also had Victrola shipped in from Arizona. So some of our donors have been reaching out to us from across the country to donate things that they would like to see in a museum or shared with other people. So our donations are coming from all over and quite a few from South Jersey. 
Wow. It's pretty funny because I have the same question. I was like, how are people even finding us? Because donations are coming in all the time. But I think what's happening is a lot of people had relatives that worked, you know, at RCA somewhere along the line. And, you know, their relatives passed away. Or they say my father, my grandfather, something had this basement or attic full of these old Victrolas and records. And, and, and they find us, I guess, on the website. We, we do have a website associated with the university, a Facebook page we're on. And, and people do find us and they want a good home for their family possessions. And, and we we do that. We, we give these old radios and old Victrolas a, a good home and we proudly display them and fix them up and get them all working. Ken, you did touch on this, but I also want to go around the table and ask, are there any collection highlights that are a personal favorite to each of you? Well, I think the one of the highlight favorites is our 1909. We actually have two 1909 uh, Victor talking machines that roll us back in the old days of no electricity, where the only entertainment you had was possibly a radio. They are amazingly functional even today. So I think by and by, that's probably my favorite. Kind of like the, uh, we have a couple of these actually, the pieces from the 1940s, which is a combination of a, a television, a, uh, a radio, and a record player. And it's really a combined, like the first family entertainment center, which actually combines a, you know, a TV, a, a radio, and, and a record player. And it's just really, really cool. A lot of things RCA was really ahead of their time, but we have a couple of those, and I, I think they're really neat. One of the things I wanted to add to what Walt said was uh, one of those um, console units, if you will, actually has a record player that you can actually cut your own record and record it. Yes. And it's just, what? You can record? Are you kidding me? It's like, wow, this is just, you know, this is something for things like that back in the day. We have other things there, like a gasoline-powered generator with an RCA name on it. And it's like, where did this come from? And since it's painted navy gray, it could have been made for the United States Navy. We're not really sure. We don't have a lot of information. And we have a pre-World War II radio set that is portable. It was made in, I believe, 1939. It's actually one of two that I know of, prototype. And some of the quote-unquote newer military radios for World War II was based on this particular radio. It's two different radios put together. And when the Second World War started, they revised the radio and made it. It was two separate chassis, and they made it all one. And so they combined it and improved upon it. Don't forget about telling them about the generator that is hand a hand-cranked generator to support the use oh, of that radio. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, what Rich says. It also has, a, it's battery-powered, by the way. The battery is 90 volts on one side and 1.5 one volts on the other. 1.5 volts is the receiver, 90 volts is the transmitter. It has a 50-foot-long wire that you lay on the ground, which I think it can actually transmit 5 miles, which was really something back then. And if your battery goes dead, there's actually a hand crank generator that you sit on and crank it with your hand, and it puts out 90 volts. And if you start cranking, don't touch the connector. Definitely not. No, no. Ask me how I know. <laughs> oh, no. We have one of the original, it's right here on campus, we have one of the original stained glass windows from the old RCA Victor Building 17 Tower. So if anybody's ever been in Camden, down by the river, right by the Ben Franklin Bridge, you see one of our big old buildings, it was 17 building, and it is the one that's condos now. But there was four large 
stained glass windows, which had his Master's Voice logo, which which was, you know, at one time the most recognized uh, logo in the world with Nipper the Dog looking in, into the talking machine. It says his Master's Voice. But there, there was only four, it, four of these four original windows. windows. One is out in Penn State. One's in the Smithsonian Institute. I don't know where the, the third one is, but we got the fourth one, and we have it wow. here on campus. And we actually received the grant to restore the window. The, the stained glass window has been restored. And we're working with the university right now to get a base pedestal and get that displayed. And I think it's still exactly where on campus that's going to be displayed is still TBD to be determined. Uh, but it's coming and, and the window has been restored and it's going to be proudly displayed on, on the campus here at Rowan. That's yeah. nice. I'm yeah. so excited to see it. Yeah, it's about, uh, what, 15 feet in diameter. It's, yeah, it's pretty good size. That's yeah, big. Oh, wow. 16. It's big. And then are all of the windows a similar style? Yes. There are four copies yeah, of the same window. Identical ones. But oh, we got one of them. We got one of the originals, which is very, very rare. From 1919. Yeah, that's probably one of the most intriguing things that we had. And his master's voice is actually a portrait or a painting in a London museum and was purchased by the Victor Corporation as their trademark. Oh, wow. And uh, it's on everything. It's on records. It's on switch plates in the factory and fire extinguishers, everything else. It was wonderful speaking with you all. We'll be right back with more Community Affair after this. Welcome back to A Community Affair. I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and today we are joined by four representatives from the Radio Corporation of America Heritage Museum Program at Rowan University. The RCA Museum preserves RCA's historic role in the development of science and technology in the southern New Jersey region. Also, while supporting the future of education and research at Rowan through scholarship opportunities and oral history projects. Today, they are here to discuss this program on the university's campus. So jumping right back into it, who are some of the RCA's family of companies and why are they important to recognize today? Well, the RCA was incorporated after World War One when Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the undersecretary of the Navy, approached GE, Westinghouse, AT&T, and American Fruit Company to combine resources into owning all the wireless communications and patents, which were critical during the war. So they approached the aforementioned companies to form RCA in 1919. Now, in the early years of RCA, they were involved in the development of RCA wireless technologies, but didn't have any manufacturing capabilities. All the manufacturing was done at Westinghouse and at GE. In 1929, after working with the Victor Company on a number of co-developments, they actually bought out the Victor Talking Machine Company in Camden to attain that manufacturing facility. RCA then became RCA Victor and progressed through the years until 1986 when GE repurchased RCA and broke up its components. Uh, One of the major things that GE wanted was NBC, which was the prime reason for the purchase. Following the acquisition by GE, GE did sell off the assets to Martin Marietta, which then got combined with Lockheed Martin and then spun off L3 Communications. So the RCA name in Camden has progressed through a number of companies over the years. It's actually L3 Harris now. So it went through six different 
iterations. But the, the really cool thing that I think is that the original plant in Camden, well, there's been various buildings over the years, is, is still right down there at, at Front Street. And it is called L3 Harris now. And the Moorestown plant, which was started in, in the late 50s as the radar division out of Camden, is Lockheed Martin right now up off 295. If you ever saw what looks like a big battleship in a cornfield kind of thing, that is the Moorestown plant, which was originally RCA, which is, is now Lockheed Martin. The businesses that came out of the old RCA, RCA, Victor, and Camden are still prominent in South Jersey today in both Camden and Morristown. Wow. And are those facilities still used? Yes. Yes, they're active today. I mean, actually, in Camden, you can go back to 1901. This business has never closed since 1901. Oh, wow. Went from Victor Talking Machine to, to RCA to GE to Mark Marietta, Lockheed Martin to L3 to L3 Harris. I mean, we've never closed. We I used to work there. I mean, we're all, we're all retired. We, we, we worked there for a long time. But. Now they have built new buildings in Camden, and one of the old RCA buildings is now a, a condo, but RCA presence is still there yeah, in the L3 Harris. Right across the street. But it, I think it's something that you really don't see too often, the, the longevity of a business like that. It, it's uh, 121 years, right, since 1901 yeah. that, that we have never closed. That, that business has been there operational in Camden every day for 121 years. That's rare. And even though it's rebranding itself and obviously changing its names a lot, it's still running yeah. and it's still active. Yeah, it's there today. That's crazy. How often does the program receive new artifacts to display? We probably average one or two donations a month. So we're up at 25 or so for this calendar year. You know, a lot of those are records and a lot of, some of them are Victrolas, but we average between 12 and 20 donations a year. You know, one of our biggest jobs at the museum is just inventorying and documenting what we get into the museum so that we can find it for future references. And is there any donations that you ever turn away for any reason? Well, there's, there's certainly a limitation as to what we can take. One is, is we highlight only RCA products and the family of products. When we get records that are not RCA, we tend to move them on. Also, some of the conditions of the equipment, uh, sometimes we don't take a piece of equipment in that's been beat up. We might use it for parts, but in most cases, uh, we'll take it in and reuse it as much as possible. What are the scholarship opportunities and oral history projects? Just touching on that a little bit. Two things. The oral history project was actually conducted in 2016. And uh, what it did is it reached out to a bunch of old RCA employees to talk about their experiences at RCA. It was conducted during 2016 and it ended as a final report and it had a total of 37 employees that were interviewed and transcripts of their conversations have been produced. They're also available on YouTube. Were any of you guys a part of this project? Uh, yes, I was one of the interviewees on that oral history. How was your experience? It was good. Uh, you know, part of it is it delved into my early years at RCA and why did I feel that the company was worth reviving and, and my positive experiences with it. And it was kind of a common thread throughout the interviews that everybody thought that RCA was a family company and that they all enjoyed their years there. I had over 40 years with the companies. Everyone that was interviewed pretty much came up with that common theme. It was a family company that I enjoyed by all. Very nice. 
Now, getting back to the scholarships, when Joe Pani approached Rowan, one of the things he tried to do is to establish a scholarship program which would be given to engineering students to help them defer some of their costs. Now, that's been an ongoing project that Rowan is responsible for supporting. Is it all engineers? Is there any limitations on discipline or if they have to be an undergraduate or graduate student? The original recipients were engineering students from the South Jersey area. Since it was a program meant to vitalize the RCA name, it was targeting towards RCA South Jersey residents that were going into engineering programs. But I believe there was one that was given into the business aspect also. So it depends on who applies for the the scholarships. I understand that the RCA offers a clear progression of technological trends and research over more than 100 years, which you all have touched on. So what is that that you have found that has been a steady trend over the years? What's interesting within the museum, and we've kind of laid it out chronologically within the museum, but we start with one of our oldest pieces of equipment in one corner, and we progress around the major display area, moving through technology as things advanced and new features were added. And we progress around through to space equipments is over in our far right portion of the museum. And what you can see is that the incorporation of technology has advanced over time where things are smaller, more complex, and things that we take for granted as we progress down that path are pretty obvious. Just by the size and complexity of the original Victrolas, and their musing capability and how we've progressed to cell phones and video cameras that you carry in your pocket are all progressions that you can see in the RCA development over time. It's just an interesting look back at what has progressed and it's fairly obvious. Very similar to what you see today in, in progression in the electronics industry. You're basically getting more for less. So you have more performance for you know less power, less weight, smaller size. So you see that theme throughout where you get more capability in a smaller or low power, basically size, weight, and power reductions with more performance. Constant improvement is evident in almost everything you see. Yeah, I'd have to agree. From the early stages, infancy stages, all the way up until 86 and even to now everything you see in the museum you carry in a cell phone i mean this is what it all boiled down to and you'd be surprised what cell phones can do yeah cell phones nowadays have a million different applications except except your cell phone will not last 100 years and you will not be able to repair it They're always advancing the cell phone and always coming out with new models. And there's always different implications and different things that the phones can do, such as like GPS, camera. So I can only assume what is to come in the progressing years with more technology advances. Coming to a close here, how can students, faculty, and the Rowan community access this program? Where is it located on campus? And how can people plan their next visit? The RCA Museum is in the Campbell Library on the fifth floor. It's in the tower. You would take the tower elevator up to the fifth floor. Now we're currently only staffed by volunteers and our volunteer hours are from 9.30 to 2 o'clock on Mondays and Wednesdays. Now we do have the ability to support class participation, class trips, so we can do special arrangements to have staff on hand to support other tours. If they give the number a call to the museum, they can set up an appointment for a tour. Certainly we're open during those hours, Monday, Wednesdays, um, 9 to 2 or 10 to 2. And we certainly enjoy walk-ins. We take walk-ins and no appointment necessary. And we'll walk through and give you the whole tour. We also enjoy getting groups together, all right, and having groups. We do quite a fair amount of groups that'll come in for a group tour and 
we enjoy going through and, and really giving them the whole history of the Victor Talk Machine through the RCA Corporation and all the technology innovations and showing off all the old equipment. And, and then we like going to happy hour and doing a lunch too. So if anyone has a group, you know, small groups, really we take 10 to 20 people in groups and, you know, we, we have a good time. You know, it's really a stroll down memory lane to see all the old Victrolas and all the old electronics artifacts, but it, it's also a history lesson in, in kind of at the same time. And then it's always a good time to go to a nice lunch and happy hour after it. Anytime that anyone gets lost and happens to open up on the fifth floor elevator, <laughs> we kind of rope them in for a tour. We so. do get a lot of students lost <laughs> trying to find their really? class, <laughs> especially this time of year. Where on earth am I? Gentlemen, it was wonderful speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Thank you for having us. That's been Thank a pleasure. Thank you very much. Of course. And again, I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and this has been a community affair. You've been listening to A Community Affair. Be sure to join us on the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. as we discuss the important issues that impact you and our community. Only here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to A Community Affair. I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and today we are joined by four representatives from the Radio Corporation of America Heritage Museum Program at Rowan University. The RCA Museum preserves RCA's historic role in the development of science and technology in the southern New Jersey region. Also, while supporting the future of education and research at Rowan through scholarship opportunities and oral history projects. Today, they are here to discuss this program on the university's campus. So jumping right back into it, who are some of the RCA's family of companies and why are they important to recognize today? Well, the RCA was incorporated after World War One when Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the Undersecretary of the Navy, approached GE, Westinghouse, AT&T, and American Fruit Company to combine resources into owning all the wireless communications and patents, which were critical during the war. So they approached the aforementioned companies to form RCA in 1919. Now, in the early years of RCA, they were involved in the development of RCA wireless technologies, but didn't have any manufacturing capabilities. So all the manufacturing was done at Westinghouse and at GE. In 1929, after working with the Victor Company on a number of co-developments, they actually bought out the Victor Talking Machine Company in Camden to attain that manufacturing facility. RCA then became RCA Victor and progressed through the years until 1986 when GE repurchased RCA and broke up its components. Uh, One of the major things that GE wanted was NBC, which was the prime reason for the purchase. Following the acquisition by GE, GE did sell off the assets to Martin Marietta, which then got combined with Lockheed Martin and then spun off L3 Communications. So the RCA name in Camden had has progressed through a number of companies over the years. And it's actually L3 Harris now. And so it went L3 through Harris six now. different 
iterations. But the, the really cool thing that I think is that the original plant in Camden, there's been various buildings over the years, is, is still right down there at, at Front Street. And it is called L3 Harris now. And the Morristown plant, which was started in, in the late 50s as the radar division out of Camden, is Lockheed Martin right now up off 295. If you ever saw what looks like a big battleship in a cornfield kind of thing, that is the Morristown plant, which was originally RCA, which is, is now Lockheed Martin. The businesses that came out of the old RCA Victor in Camden are still prominent in South Jersey today in both Camden and Morristown. Wow. And are those facilities still used? Yes. Yes, they're active today. I mean, actually in Camden, you can go back to 1901. This business has never closed since 1901. Oh, wow. Went from Victor Talking Machine to, to RCA, to GE, to Martin Marietta, Lockheed Martin, to L3, to L3 Harris. I mean, we've never closed. We I used to work there. I mean, we're all, we're all retired. We, we, we worked there for a long time. But. Now they have built new buildings in Camden, and one of the old RCA buildings is now a, a condo, but RCA presence is still there yeah, in the new L3 Harris. Right across the street. But it, I think it's something that you really don't see too often, the, the longevity of a business like that. It's uh, 121 years, right, since 1901 yeah. that, that we have never closed. That, that business has been there operational in Camden every day for 121 years. That's rare. And even though it's rebranding itself and obviously changing its names a lot, it's still running yeah. and it's still active. Yeah, it's there today. That's crazy. How often does the program receive new artifacts to display? We probably average one or two donations a month. So we're up at 25 or so for this calendar year. You know, a lot of those are records and a lot, some of them are Victrolas, but we average between 12 and 20 donations a year. You know, one of our biggest jobs at the museum is just inventorying and documenting what we get into the museum so that we can find it for future references. And is there any donations that you ever turn away for any reason? Well, there's, there's certainly a limitation as to what we can take. One is, is we highlight only RCA products and the family of products. When we get records that are not RCA, we tend to move them on. Also, some of the conditions of the equipment, uh, sometimes we don't take a piece of equipment in that's been beat up. We might use it for parts, but in most cases, uh, we'll take it in and reuse it as much as possible. What are the scholarship opportunities and oral history projects? Just touching on that a little bit. Two things. The oral history project was actually conducted in 2016. And uh, what it did is it reached out to a bunch of old RCA employees to talk about their experiences at RCA. It was conducted during 2016 and it ended as a final report. And it had a total of 37 employees that were interviewed and transcripts of their conversations have been produced. They're also available on YouTube. Were any of you guys a part of this project? Uh, yes, I was one of the interviewees on that oral history. How was your experience? It was good. Uh, you know, part of it is it delved into my early years at RCA and why did I feel that the company was worth reviving and, and my positive experiences with it. And it was kind of a common thread throughout the interviews that everybody thought that RCA was a family company and that they all enjoyed their years there. I had over 40 years with the companies. Everyone that was interviewed pretty much came up with that common theme. It was a family company that enjoyed by all. Very nice. Now, getting back to the scholarships, when Joe Pani approached Rowan, one of the things he tried to do is to establish a scholarship program which would be given to engineering students to help them defer some of their costs. Now, that's been an ongoing project that Rowan is responsible for supporting. 
Is it all engineers? Is there any limitations on discipline or if they have to be an undergraduate or a graduate student? The original recipients were engineering students from the South Jersey area since it was a program meant to vitalize the RCA name. It was targeting towards RCA of South Jersey residents that were going into engineering programs. But I believe there was one that was given into the business aspect also. So it depends on who applies for the, for the scholarships. I understand that the RCA offers a clear progression of technological trends and research over more than 100 years, which you all have touched on. So what is that that you have found that has been a steady trend over the years? What's interesting within the museum, and we've kind of laid it out chronologically within the museum, where we start with one of our oldest pieces of equipment in one corner, and we progress around the major display area, moving through technology as things advanced and new features were added. And we progress around through to space equipments is over in our far right portion of the museum. And what you can see is that the incorporation of technology has advanced over time where things are smaller, more complex, and things that we take for granted as we progress down that path are pretty obvious just by the size and complexity of the original Victrolas and their musing capability and how we've progressed to cell phones and video cameras that you carry in your pocket are all progressions that you can see in the RCA development over time. It's just an interesting look back at what has progressed and it's fairly obvious. Very similar to what you see today in, in progression in the electronics industry. You're basically getting more for less. So you have more performance for you know less power, less weight, smaller size. So you see that theme throughout where you get more capability in a smaller or low power, basically size, weight, and power reductions with more performance. Constant improvement is evident in almost everything you see. Yeah, I'd have to agree. From the early stages, infancy stages, all the way up and to 86 and even to now everything you see in the museum you carry in a cell phone i mean this is what it all boiled down to and you'd be surprised what cell phones can do yeah cell phones nowadays have a million different applications except the- except your cell phone will not last 100 years right. and you will not be able <laughs> to repair it they're always advancing the cell phone and always coming out with new models and there's always different implications and different things that the phones can do such as like GPS, camera. So I can only assume what is to come in the progressing years with more technology advances. Coming to a close here, how can students, faculty, and the Rowan community access this program? Where is it located on campus and how can people plan their next visit? The RCA Museum is in the Campbell Library on the fifth floor. It's in the tower. You take the tower elevator up to the fifth floor. Now we're currently only staffed by volunteers and our volunteer hours are from 9.30 to 2 o'clock on Mondays and Wednesdays. Now we do have the ability to support class participation, class trips, so we can do special arrangements to have staff on hand to support other tours. If they give the number a call to the museum, they can set up an appointment for a tour. Certainly, we're open during those hours, Monday, Wednesdays, um, 9 to 2 or 10 to 2. And we certainly enjoy walk-ins. We take walk-ins and no appointment necessary. And we'll walk through and give you the whole tour. We also enjoy getting groups together, all right, and having groups. We do quite a fair amount of groups that'll come in for a group tour and we enjoy going through and, and really giving them the whole history of the Victor Talk Machine through the RCA Corporation and all the technology innovations and showing off all the old equipment. And, and then we like going to happy hour and doing a lunch too. So if anyone has a group, you know, small groups, 
Usually we take 10 to 20 people in groups and, you know, we, we have a good time. You know, it's really a stroll down memory lane to see all the old Victrolas and all the old electronics artifacts, but it, it's also a history lesson in, in kind of at the same time. And then it's always a good time to go to a nice lunch and happy hour after it. Anytime that anyone gets lost and happens to open up on the fifth floor elevator, <laughs> we kind of rope them in for a tour. We so. do get a lot of students lost <laughs> trying to find their really? class, <laughs> especially to start the year. Where on earth am I? Gentlemen, it was wonderful speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Thank you for having us. That's been Thank a you pleasure. very much. Of course. And again, I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and this has been A Community Affair. You've been listening to A Community Affair. Be sure to join us on the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. as we discuss the important issues that impact you and our community. Only here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.